0: We are continuing our studies in the Gospel of John. And <clears throat> actually, we're picking up the remainder of the story of this Samaritan woman at the well. Her encounter was very contrastingly different than Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus. And then because of that, And I think it's important for us to have a quick recap, especially for those of you who weren't here last Sunday. John chapter 4, beginning with verse 1 through 26 was the text. And the whole story is actually 42 verses. Today we're going to pick up remainder of that story, verses 27 through 42. This is what we learned last Sunday in this story, John purposely introduced this encounter to reveal fuller picture of Jesus the first and foremost jesus radical love is displayed and revealed in this story. Now what do I mean by that? Samaritan woman, as we meditated on. Uh, this text last week, had three strikes. Number one, she w- was Samaritan. Samaritan was, um, Samaritans were half-breeze. Uh, back in the days when when the Israelites were divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel fell by the Assyria, And then when some people remained in that land, Assyrians came and they intermarriage happened. And they not only are half Jews and half Gentiles, but they got mixed up with this religion that is very different from the southern kingdom led by King David. Uh, They only believed only five first books of the Old Testament. The Pentateuch of Moses. Why? Because the prophets and other books are centered around the the kingdom of David and Solomon and, and the other kings continue on. The prophets spoke very clearly, and Jerusalem became the center of not only worship, the city of God. So, in light of that, what they did is okay, in Samaria, the Mount Jerusalem. We're going to build a temple and this will be our headquarter and religious center. We ought to worship there. That was going on. By Jews, this was absurd. Jews would rather encounter and talk with and hang out with Gentiles even though they would, you know, mind because of purification things also too but they despise Samaritans even more than any Gentiles they hated because of this skewed view and cultic ideas and the mixed blood was happening. That's strike number one. Strike number two and back in the days in antiquity as you probably guessed the women are not even the equal level of you know their their testimonies are not counted in the court uh the in the public the women are not talk with even face directly with uh any men and even even in the, in the middle middle east these days they cover their face now, that's the reason why that's strike number two and then strike number three is a Samaritan was known notoriously about her multiple marriages married five times and the the boyfriend she's living with everybody knows that he he's not her husband Nicodemus actually was a member of Sanhedrin ruler of Jews in chapter 3 and recognized teacher of the law. But Jesus here, not only sat down and engaged the conversation with her, she treated differently. She treated woman differently. She treated this woman who has a notorious background, sleazy woman, if you will. And unlike typical concept of pharisaical idea, even today's world, what is really good Christian? Clean haircut and clean thing, and everything looks really nice and law-abiding citizen. In many ways, they're the model citizen. Oh, that must be Christian. Jesus, on the other hand, her her appearance and even the time that she came in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, usually women come to come out to the well to draw the water as a group, as a community, for safety, for a conversation. Uh, and in the morning, because of the heat of the day, or after the sunset, but she came out all by herself. And here... Jesus not only approach, approached and he saw the deepest thirst in her soul. A radical love. Number two, it revealed Jesus' living water. Jesus' living water was Holy Spirit residing in us. Eternal life. The, lo- the water that I give you will become a well of springs in you. So every time when you get thirsty, you could draw from it. The water that you drink from this well will make you thirsty again. And this is the reason why every single one of us, whenever we achieve something, whenever we gain something that we long for, it becomes a mirage. We become thirstier. Even irreligious people, even the non-Christians who despise any organized religions, will be continually stay thirsty, like this this woman. Thirdly, it story revealed Jesus' holiness, and like today's Christianity, is a hyper grace of Jesus says everything's okay no matter what but Jesus saw that the root cause of her brokenness which was sin drifting away from what God desires and she he gently brings it out bring your husband to me the woman says i have no husband and Jesus actually compliments her honesty. You're right, saying you have you don't have a husband, but you having married five times, the man that you're living with you is not your husband. You you said that right. And she's convicted. And Jesus doesn't go back, condemn her, but brings it out. And she be is confronted to all the sins that she used to hide it come out in front of him. And she said, you must be prophet. And that a point on, incredible thing happened, which is the first, fourth and last point. It, it, this story revealed Jesus' messianic identity that leads us to be true worshipers. Jesus never directly Declare his identity, I am the Messiah, to any Jews. And this is the first time to this Samaritan, to this Samaritan woman, to this Samaritan immorally sleazy woman. I who speak to you am he. And that's the story that we're going to pick up from there. And Jesus teaches uh, us through that story. The time will come. The messianic stage the will come. He has already come. It's not in Jerusalem. It's not in Samaria. The place no longer matters. It's going to be obsolete. Why? Why? Because you are to worship in spirit because God is spirit. And truth, truth about God, Jesus himself came. The truth, grace and truth. That revealed that. And then we learn to be true worshipers. Interesting thing happens, this story. The remainders of Tori. You need to be attentive on this the beginning point, otherwise you're going to miss that. Allow me to, to read the last two verses from last week. 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He. But basically, Samaritans believe the same thing that Je- Messiah will come, and in their terminology, is the one who reveals the Teheb, the same idea. And Jesus said, You're talking to, to, to He, I am the Messiah. The story, the narrative, is not recorded every single detail of it. Our story today ends with verse 41 and verse 42. And many more believed that because of his word, Jesus' word, because they came out to Jesus because of her testimony, that they, they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said, that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world so now with anticipation what happened here in between do you know what has ending of that so one word revival Revival happens, spiritual awakening. Choose whatever you like. But incredible outbreak of spiritual renewal happened into the entire town of Saikar. And today, we're looking for those key elements. What were the key elements of revival in this small town? So that we could learn from it as well. The first key element is God uses unlike un, unlikely person's testimony to bring revival. Verse 27. Just then this, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be, can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and, and were coming to him. One question. What kind of problem the dialogue was going on? Can you imagine? In disciples' head. Culturally, remember, the 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 righteous godly Jews don't talk to actually start with men. Men don't talk to woman in public like that, one on one, looking at each other. So even Samaritan woman was asking, "Why are you asking me? Being Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman that you are asking me for a drink, right?" So they were going through that, and all of a sudden, they put few things together. This is not a decent woman. We're gonna be in trouble being even seen by her together, but they couldn't say anything. Maybe our master have some different thoughts and different purposes for that. But they had a main problem. And another thing is that the woman left her water jar and went away. The question is why? Because when Jesus said, I am the Messiah, there is no recording about her response. The only response that we, we see here is she just abandoned her water drive, which must be really important, like a life essential. And she ran because of excitement, because she finally got it. He is the Messiah who could quench my thirst. Not just physical thirst. But the spiritual thirst. Deep thirst that I had. The reason why I was looking for this dream. That I cannot grab hold of like a rainbow. A mirage. That this husband and that husband. Five, six times of getting thirstier every single time. He has a living water for me. He knows everything about what I did. And it it is not a shame and condemnation. The same compassion, forgiveness was there for her. So can you imagine? The one that this woman used to avoid people making eye contact Seeing in public, probably. But she runs to it and screams and then starts yelling and screaming with such a joy, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. I am no longer ashamed of what I did. Because I am forgiven. Because he delivered me. Because he quenched my soul. Can this be tri- the Christ? It's a kind of very uh, humble way, not a dogmatic way. This is Christ, isn't it? The revival happened because of this woman. Not the teacher of the law in the town. Not the elder who is respected by the entire town. But this unlikely woman and her testimony was used by God to bring revival. this is God's way. The way of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God The God lifts the poor and the least and the despised to shame the wise And the proud of this world. But in human mind, I agree with, you know, uh, noble intention the people, church leaders have. We have a great testimony tonight. The current NFL star or movie star or PhD, or someone worldly recognized with Nobel Prize are coming to share his, her testimony. Come listen, you will be blown away. That's usually our approach, right? But God chooses unlikely person, like you and me, very ordinary people with a, a lot of flaws. Can Crossway Church experience revival? Yes. If one unlikely person is genuinely, simply share the name and the testimony of Jesus... It wasn't technique, it wasn't eloquence. She simply shared three things. Come, look at this man. He, I find out, I discovered his identity. He's the Messiah. He's my Savior. He's actually the Savior of the world. No argumentation, no thesis. No long paper. And then she simply said, this is what he has done for me. And thirdly, come, you should find out as well. If this is the testimony, we could all do that. Last week, I spent time with God and experienced God, gently spoke to me and encouraged me. And this is the word of God, this is my Lord, my Savior. Come that you could find out his guidance, his comfort comfort. Your soul can be quenched as well. I'm gonna come back to this because this is one of our key vision and happens to be happening. At the same day that we're doing previous service. About our crossway story. At the end of the message, I'm going to bring it back. For now, let me introduce just another simple testimony from an unlikely person. Two days ago, this post popped up in my Facebook Gospel Coalition's article, and there was an interview with this uh, gay man in Hollywood just about 10 years ago. He was a set designer and proud to be a practicing gay person and encounter Jesus. His life was completely upside down. And in his interview, the clarity that I sense, the affection that I sense for Jesus, and the, and the, the clear stand, courageous stand that he sense. is incredible. Because even, even within the church, Anything about gay, gay, or gay marriage or anything is just a taboo topic. These is controversial topic. I would love to send you the link, and you 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 could check it out. The whole thing. Here's an excerpt from an interview with Beckett Cook, and he wrote uh, a book, a, a change of affection of gay men's. Incredible story of redemption. And I thought this was happened several decades ago, anything like that. July of this year, twenty nineteen, this book came out. And just about ten years ago he was in Hollywood as a proud gay person. And this is the end towards the end of the interview. He just shares like this. Cook says this: "It was such a relief to be in this relationship with Christ. It didn't feel like feel costly because I was so full of joy, but it did cost me some friends, some really deep, lifelong relationships. A lot of my friends were semi-supportive, but some of my closest friends were not. That was painful." But at the time, I was so euphoric, I didn't care. Once the book came out, this particular book, back in July, some of the friendships that were lingering and semi-alive vanished for good. I was cut off from several people, some of the closest friends of my life. The pain, the gain is like Paul said. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In Philippians 3.8. The gain is this relationship with God through Christ, eternal life. It's this impenetrable joy because of not only knowing Christ, but knowing the meaning of life, where I came from, what I am doing, where I am, I am going. It gives me such peace. So people of God. Brothers and sisters. Don't ever underestimate power of God. Do not limit God because of your own limitation. And would you be willing... To share your story, testimony at Crossway, in your grocery store, in in your next cubicle co-worker, your neighbor, God could use that. second key element is Jesus calls us to do the work of sowing and weeping of God's sovereign grace for revival to break out. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples are urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Some of the commentators says about the cultural background. The Samaritans back then typically wear just white robe. It, 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 it's costly to even have a colors, color clothes. And Jesus, having this conversation with his disciples, Samaritan woman abandoned her water giant and ran off and all these Samaritan people are coming just out of curiosity what is this woman? What is, why is he so excited? and and they saw these men with the white clothes coming and I, I think it's a plausible and Jesus saying you say four month, wait four month, and their harvest will be ready. Look, the harvest is ready, and the fields are white for harvest. That's the picture. Verse 36. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For there for here the saying holds true one sows and the other reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. There are four things going on, I mean two two different things going on here. The so first of all Jesus is aware of the law of the harvest. You plant something, you're plowing, and you saw, and you need to wait four months, at least four months, and then the time will come for, to a harvest. But he doesn't sound like a typical human person. Man, this is a divinity of Jesus showing up. In his sovereign purpose and sovereign grace, the reaping and sowing is collapsing into one. That it could happen. It is happening. No longer that you need to wait four more months. Because messianic age has arrived, come. That's one. The sovereignty of God in Jesus. The other thing is Whenever we think about sovereignty of God, the, the common mistake is that almost assumes that eliminates the responsibility of God. I mean, responsibility of human beings. Jesus is saying, God's sovereign work is done through you. You are to reap. You didn't work for it. Somebody else plowed and sowed. And literally, he means here, Himself and the Samaritan woman in this context. In the bigger sense, sense, we could think about it as the prophets went ahead for them. In the book of Acts chapter 8, we could see that already. Uh, They're reaping the harvest of what this Samaritan woman and disciples are doing right here. What does that mean then? He's calling us to participate the sovereign work of God for eternal life, to bring the harvest, giving eternal life. Jesus is saying, you need food. But I don't need physical food in a sense that divinity means that self-existent, self-supplying being. I get strength. By myself. Of course, human, Jesus was also fully human. At this point, Jesus was probably still hungry and thirsty. Very much. But we need to hear this call. That if God goes ahead of us, can we imagine our loved ones Our friends, our neighbor, the people around here who act like they don't need God at all. And we kind of check them off as, oh, that person will never hear, never be interested in the gospel. I better not say anything about religious things. But God invites us, Christ invites us to reap the harvest. Somebody else already plowed and sowed. For us, if we happen to be the first person, we become the sore, and we will never see the end result. And this was not the new thing that Jesus was bringing up. In the Old Testament prophet Amos nine three thirteen speaks of this specifically about coming. Age of Messianic Age, verse thirteen. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowed men, plowmen, another word, sower, shall overtake the reaper, coming together. So not only sowing and weeping at the same time, and the treader of grapes. Just imagine that treader means that you tread on the on the grapes like a. I, Somehow I think about the I Love Lucy shows, famous. Remember that, right? To make the wine. Who sows the seed. In other words, a person who's reaping the harvest is co- co- collapsing with the person who saw the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. So in other words, the root cause of this revival is God's sovereign grace to which Jesus invites us to participate. We might not see the whole picture. But in the coming week, let's be sensitive. Maybe we are the person who is sowing sharing simple thing without argumentatively, without pushback, as much as they're interested, to share the gospel, the words of God. Or maybe we see the person who's already very thirsty, the sign, invite them into church, invite them into your home group and men's group, share the gospel, maybe we could reap the harvest together, Because when you think about revival, there is a two dimensions of that. Andrew Bernard. Uh, Andrew Bernard was a brother of famous hymn writer, Horatius Bernard. Uh, They're all in 1800, 19th century. But listen to this wisdom. Andrew Bernard says, Revival begins with God's own people. The Holy Spirit touches their heart anew and gives them new fervor and compassion and zeal, new light and life. And when he has thus come to you, he next goes forth to the valley of dry bones. Ezekiel 39 chapter. Oh, what that responsibility this, this lays on the church of God, the drive on coming alive and becoming spiritual life from the deadened people. If you give grieve him away from yourselves or hinder his visit, then the door perishing world suffers. I'm sorry, then the poor perishing world suffers. Sorely. G. G. Campbell Morgan um, was an evangelist and a famous missionary uh, preacher as well. And he says on the other side this way, we cannot organize revival just because we put up a sign revival meeting the date, you know, and then good old gospel revival tent. Revival doesn't happen because of our organization, organizing and things. But, Morgan writes, we can set ourselves to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon his people once again. Oh! We're moving to orange from Santa Ana in five weeks. And we're going to be meeting here a little bit different. But can we expect by our faith increase, to ask the Lord to increase our faith that because of our community the excitement and the fervor and the true stories of transformation is being proclaimed. The gospel and the name of Jesus Christ will be shared unashamedly, clearly, honestly, without facade. Third and last key element is Jesus is central to the signs of true revival in believers. This is really helpful because we could, in our pragmatic mindset, I'm the first one, I like to make things happen, that we do certain things and then claim it as a revival is happening. I know the effects of revival is genuine when we see these signs. Look at the signs. Verse 39, when many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony He told me all that I I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that This is indeed the Savior of the world. This is an incredibly beautiful thing. Because this woman, unlike the person's testimony, drew them in. How do we know this revival is true? Because every sign is pointing to Jesus, no matter what direction it is. Sign number one, desire to stay with Jesus. Would you stay two days with us? Sign number two. Desire to trust Jesus more. We believe now you're the savior of the world. Desire, sign number three. Desire to taught, to be taught by Jesus. Teach us. What, what are you doing for two days? We need your living word. Quench your thirst. And fourth and last like the Samaritan woman, desire to tell others about Jesus. When this is happening, our revival is not a manufactured human commercialism that our church is better than other churches. But with our broken lives, that Jesus is really the hope in our family, in our marriage, in our everyday life, there is a living water. Brothers and sisters, crossway vision in the beginning was so radical to a point that when we said, okay, since we're about 15-20 people, let's uphold the vision of real transformation. Real transformation, it happens every day. What I'm learning from Lord Jesus, God the Father, Holy Spirit, is real transformation. We need to apply that. Let's look into the scripture and guide it by scripture. So let's undo this misconception of what testimonies are supposed to be. Either about conversion, how you became a Christian or you have cancer and you got healed. You have a dramatic stories. We said pass two, three months what have you learned? Is there two, three things you learned from God? Yes, of course. From scripture, from sermon, from, from our daily lives, from our realization, from our, our prayer time. Let's share that. So imagine this. When we are about 20, 30 people or even 40 people, every week we had a crossway story without, without exception. Then everyone was going through that. So how often does it come? Every few months. Now, our congregation is big enough. You don't, you don't have a chance. Not even a once a year. Maybe once a, a, every other year. Okay, what happens? Things are hard. And your kids are growing. There's so many activities. The Christian life and journey it becomes like a ups and down. And I hear our coordinator, Michelle Chang, is Everybody is pushing back, including the ones that who really involved. And I said, let me think about this, how we could vision cast together. So this is the vision. If you believe what the scripture is saying clearly even about today, would you submit to the authority of scripture and simply be willing and just write out two three things that you learned past few weeks and you practice it so that whatever you shared in the market in the street in your neighborhood conversationally you could just pick few things excerpts and share and i'm looking for willing spirit And I really believe many of you, even this morning, showed up so early morning in the morning, not eight and eight thirty. Most of people showed up by nine. That means each one of us are willing and and longing for the work of the Lord. Let's envision revival. All the more if we cannot produce the results and effects of revival, we are to pray. We are to trust and obey. And may God renew us, quench our thirst, and be like Samaritan woman, that our life is transparent, was a genuine, impenetrable joy. Let's pray.